Today we are jumping into our series called Opening Joy, and like I said, the title today is Opening Joy in Joyless Times. Hello, Jack, Stephen, Rusty, Michelle, uh, all of you who've commented on the post <laughs> live with me. I see you, uh, and I do want to say, thank, I, I love you guys so much, and I know Brooke and I say that often, but it's so true. We love you. We feel so blessed to be the pastor of this amazing church family. We feel humbled that such incredible leaders and uh, uh, people are, are, in this, are in this church family. So we, we love you so much. Welcome to December 2020. We've we, we made it this far in 2020. As we all know, this has been one of the most, if not the most bizarre, interesting, craziest years for us individually. And 2020 just reminds me of a movie that our family loves called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's family-friendly, it's hilarious, we like it. It's based off a book, uh, well, loosely based off of the book. The book doesn't really go into any of the detail, it's a completely different story. But this idea that there's one day that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I feel like that's 2020 in so many ways. Like, it's just, it's bizarre. It started out with fires in Australia. Like, I don't even know if you remember that. It was so long ago. And then there was this pandemic thing happening in China. And all of a sudden, boom, we're all shut down. Then it opens back up. Then it shuts back down. Then it's like this topsy-turvy. Our kids are going to school. They're not going to school. It's all this craziness. Then election, civil unrest uh, with all, all that happened this summer. And for some reason, the microphone's popping, so I apologize if you're hearing that out there. But it's just like 2020 is just bizarre. And then I had this written down in my notes to, to talk about how bizarre 2020 is. And then we're not even having service in the building today because of this pandemic and because we got COVID last week. And it, it's insane. This, this whole year is crazy. So we're going to start this three-part series called Opening Joy. Uh, today we're talking about opening joy in joyless times next week. We're going to talk about opening joy through the family of Jesus, through the body of Christ. Then we're going to finish on December 20th. We're going to talk about opening joy through the birth of Jesus. And this comes out of Luke chapter 2, the story of Christmas, right? Uh, it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. This is the shepherds. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. See, the news of Jesus coming to earth, leaving heaven, being born as a baby here on earth, it's news that is full of great joy. They said the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped, in snug, wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. So this series comes out of Luke chapter 2, and we're talking about the joy that Jesus brings. Okay, so right here up front, I'm going to give you the cheat sheet. Okay, this is, the, this is the answer to the next three weeks. Like this is the end of it. This is what it means. Okay, this is the cheat sheet for all of us to know. Here it is. Every single person can truly know joy by truly knowing Jesus. Every single person can truly know joy by truly knowing Jesus. See, Jesus is the key to having joy in joyless 
times. Whenever we look around and maybe we're not able to spend Christmas with our family this year because of the pandemic. And so many of us, that's, that's sad. M- maybe, let's be real, maybe there's some others of you out there that, that brings you joy that you don't have to spend the holidays with your family. You know, that phone call's like, well, yeah, I do think yeah, it probably is just probably best if we don't see each other around Christmas because of the pandemic. Maybe that brings you joy, but for the majority of us, it's going to be a very different Christmas season than what we've been used to. So how do we have joy in joyless times? How can we open joy when the situation we're in seems devoid of joy? Well, the next two weeks, today and the 13th of December, we're going to look in the book of Philippians, because if there's any book that talks about joy, but is also written from someone in a joyless circumstance, it's the book of Philippians. So the book of Philippians was written by Paul while he was in prison. Paul was chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, and he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, and all through it is this theme of joy. The first chapter, second chapter, third, and fourth chapter, all through it is this theme of joy, but he... 30,000 foot view, outside perspective, looking at his circumstances. He's in prison, chained to a Roman guard. Why would he be full of joy? So today, we're going to specifically look at Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at a five-step process for opening joy in joyless times. Now, this five-step process, uh, I believe, is what Paul outlines here in Philippians 4, but it's also very personal to me. Uh, It's what I do most Every single morning, I walk through this process, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end. But Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, Paul says, Always, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Hey, Lauren Wooten, I'm just looking down, catching you on there as well. Good morning. Good <laughs> uh, Paul says always. He doesn't say when times are good. He doesn't say when there's money in the bank account. He doesn't say whenever uh, the pandemic is over. He doesn't say that uh, there are times for joy and times to be sad. He said always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. When When we're in the middle of a season in time where it should be devoid of joy, he says be full of joy and rejoice. Verse 5, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So this five-step process, number one, if you're taking notes, is first part of the process is to give God your problems in prayer. How do we open joy in joyless circumstances? First thing is we give God our problems in prayer. All right, verse 6, Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. The first step in this process is to give over our problems to God in prayer. Not just tell God about our problems, but take our problems and give them, lay them at his feet, give them over and leave them there. I'm going to tell you a short little parable about two men, Steve and Dan. All right, first one, Steve, he's a smart guy. Uh, Steve's car begins to act up. He begins to hear some noises coming from the engine, and he, he thinks he knows what it is, and so he takes it to the mechanic, 
And he you know, parks out front, walks inside, and tells the mechanic, hey, my car is having problems. Here's what's going on. I'm hearing this noise. It's coming from this side of the car. And then Steve begins to describe in great detail what he believes the problem is and what he thinks that the mechanic needs to do to fix the problem. He tells the mechanic, there's this rattling, and I think it's this bearing, and it's this. I don't know car terms, so I can't go into more detail than that. But that, he, he, Steve feels like he's a smart guy, and he's got to fix and he's talking all these car terms to the mechanic, telling him, I think it's this, and I'm pretty sure this is what's going on. And all the while, the mechanic is listening to Steve, and he's like, that's not at all what that would be. You know, and he, but he doesn't say that out loud. He just smiles and nods at Steve, and he's like, well, okay, you know, thanks. You know, I, I'm glad you brought it in. I'm glad we're going to take care of it. And Steve's like, yeah, so here's exactly the problem. And then Steve, in this moment, goes, you know what? I got it figured out. I don't even need you. And so he walks outside, gets in his car, and he drives off. All the while, the mechanic is like, what just happened? Like, Steve, what just happened? He brought him. He, he, he thought he knew exactly what was going on. He thought he knew how to fix it. All the while, the mechanic, who is licensed to fix vehicles, who's been doing it for years and years and years, all the while, the mechanic, the one who's knowledgeable, is thinking, that's not at all the actual problem. But Steve just got in the car, and he left, and he drove home. Next gentleman comes up. I believe I named him Dan. Uh, my brain's a little foggy, but I'm pretty sure I named him Dan. The point is, Dan, second man comes up. Dan goes to the mechanic. He walks inside, and he's like, my car's got some problems. Here's what I'm hearing. Here's what's happening when I go to between 35 and 40 miles an hour. There's kind of this shudder. This takes place, and uh, this is what's happening. I don't know how to fix it, but this is what's going on. And the mechanic says, great, leave it here, and we'll take care of it. We will take care of the problem for you. Dan says, great. He walks out the door, gets in the car with his wife, drives off, and he leaves it in the hands of the licensed, knowledgeable professional. So many times in, in prayer, we, we come before God, and we tell God all about our problems, and then we tell God how to fix our problems. We say, here's the problem, here's what's taking place, and here's how it needs to be fixed, and then we leave, and we take that problem with us, and we decide to fix it on our own. When God is sitting there, the, the one who is knowledgeable, the one who is all-powerful, is saying, give me that problem. Let go of your problems. Give them to God. Give your problems to God in prayer. The first part of this process, opening joy, is to come before God in prayer and say, God, here's the problem. Here's what's going on. I give it to you. I, I take this problem I give it, I take it out of my hands, I lay it at your feet, and I give it to you, and I trust that you know what to do. How do we open joy in joyless times? Well, the first thing is we stop worrying constantly about how we are going to fix the problems, how we're going to fix, how we're going to control and fix it. And we instead go to God in prayer, and we say, God, here's my problems. I'm giving it to you. I'm laying it at your feet. Second part of this process, Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The second part of this process is to fix your thoughts on the right things. To fix our thoughts on the right things. Here's the thing with our brains, uh, without going too much into science uh, uh, of the way the brain works, but our brains are powerful things. And our brains can begin to think of something 
And that thinking process will then drive our attitude, will drive our actions, and will drive our feelings. So if we fix our thoughts on the worry, on the anxiety, on the fear, then we're going to act, we're going to feel, we are going to, our attitude is going to be one that is driven by those thoughts. If we fix our thoughts on the good things, if we fix our thoughts on the right things, if we fix our thoughts on the things that are pure, lovely, admirable, honorable, if we think about those things, that's going to drive our feelings, it's going to drive our attitudes, and it's going to drive our actions. How do we open joy in joyless times? We fix our thoughts on the right things. See, Paul does this in uh, Philippians chapter 1. Oh, I don't have it there. I'm going to go back. Whoops, wrong way. Now we're going the completely wrong way. But in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, which I thought I had on the screen, but I don't. You can read it uh, later. You can open your Bibles, but trust me, this is what it says. In Philippians chapter 1, remember, Paul is chained to a Roman officer 24 hours a day, and this is what he writes. He says, he's writing to the church in Philippi. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. Paul says, the fact that I've been placed in change, there is a positive side to this. He's fixing his thoughts on the right things. Everything that's happened to me has helped spread the good news. And he goes on. This is Philippians 1, 12-14. Everyone here, including all the soldiers in the palace guard, they all know that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of, Paul says, because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and they are boldly speaking God's message without fear. See, Paul looks at the circumstances and says, I could be upset, I could be frustrated, I could be completely devoid of joy, but I'm going to fix my thoughts on the right things. God has used my imperfect nature. God has used my negative circumstances. God has used my imprisonment for his glory, and that's good. I can fix my thoughts. You know, to be real and upfront with you, throughout this pandemic season, there have been times where I've thought and, and, and asked God in prayer, God, why did you send us to start a brand new church in Trustwell, Alabama, right before a pandemic? Like, couldn't we have just done this after the pandemic was over? You know, because momentum and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, God, but... In the midst of this, every time I have those thoughts, I instead think about the good things. I think about you. I think about the people we've met, you who have joined this beautiful, wonderful church family. I think about the relationships that have been built. I think about how you have cared for each other, how you've cared for us, how you've cared, how you've blessed one another through this pandemic season. I, can, I see how we have, we have uh, formed this spiritual family that is an encouragement to each one of us, that lifts us up during this season. I think, man, God, no, it, not why did you send us here before a pandemic. God, thank you for sending us here because look at all the good has, has happened. Look at all the good God has done through this, because otherwise, who knows where we'd be during this time in this pandemic? So it's fixing our thoughts on the right things. Number three, five-step process. How do we open joy? Number three, we choose contentment. We choose contentment. Contentment is seeing the things that we have, okay? Seeing the things that we have 
and being appreciative of those. Look what Paul says. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. This is Philippians 4. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What he says is, I, can be, I have learned the secret to contentment, and that is drawing my strength from Jesus, not drawing my strength from people or things. It's drawing my strength from Jesus. Now, Philippians 4.13 is one of the most widely known verses for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I think most people who quote it don't realize Paul is talking about contentment whenever they quote this verse. Sometimes they even use this verse uh, to pursue some ambitious thing uh, that's really fueled by discontentment. But what Paul is saying is, I've learned the secret to being content with whatever I have, and it's drawing my strength from Jesus. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. See, contentment is a conscious choice we make. And contentment really comes down to attitude. And like I said during the fixing our thoughts thing, our attitudes drive our actions, and our thinking drives our attitude. So if I can steer my thinking to contentment, then I can steer my attitude towards contentment. And if my attitude is, if I have a content, contented? Yeah, contented, I guess, attitude, then my actions will follow that. I think one of the biggest problems in Western culture is a lack of contentment. I mean, we're constantly in, culturally uh, conditioned to be discontent with the possessions that we have. Every advertisement is trying to get us to buy something new. We're conditioned to be discontent. Contentment is about attitude. Contentment is a conscious choice. Contentment is also about trust. Do we trust that God is going to provide what we need? Or maybe even more so than that, do we trust God has already provided what we need in this moment? Do we trust that God has already provided what we need in this moment? Now, let me, let me, show, let me show you what I mean. In our culture, it is very normal to rack up thousands and thousands of dollars of debt thousands and thousands of dollars of credit card debt and other types of debt. But it is very common to have thousands of dollars in credit card debt. And I was reading something recently. It's a book called Taking Steps Towards God, written by a man named uh, Dr. Clancy Hayes. And uh, he puts this idea of contentment and debt into a, into a really interesting context. Now, he does clarify, before I read this, he does clarify he's not talking about debt that is also an investment, meaning school loans. Uh, you take out loans for school. Sometimes it's, it's appropriate to take out loans for school because that's an investment into the future. Without the degree, you might not be able to make as much money, and so you take out a loan so that you can go to school, so that's going to pay dividends in the future. Uh, a mortgage, you know, borrowing for a house. A house is an investment, all right? He's talking about debt from credit cards and other things. He says, Each one of us must put our trust in something. We will trust God and be content with what he has given to us, or we will trust possessions and therefore we seek them. Listen to this. Accumulating debt reveals a basic dissatisfaction with what God has provided and shows a lack of trust regarding God's care for us. 
listen. Christians who use someone else's money to buy something they can't afford are declaring that God has not provided what they need, so they must put their trust in others to satisfy their desires. Next part of this process in opening joy is to choose contentment. To choose to be content with what God has provided. Number four, fourth step in this process is to choose faith. To choose faith. Paul says, Philippians 4.19, this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. Not all your wants, not all your desires, but all your needs. Our God will supply all our needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Choosing faith is saying, I am consciously choosing to trust that God is trustworthy. I'm consciously choosing to trust that my God is trustworthy. He said he's going to supply all my needs, so I'm trusting that he has supplied what I need, and he's going to supply what I need. Choosing faith is saying, I firmly believe that God will carry me through. I firmly believe that God is with me and that he will carry me through this season of difficulty, this season of suffering, this season of discouragement, this season of setbacks. I choose faith. I choose to believe God will carry me through. The fifth step in this process. It says four. It's five. Man, I'm like, I'm totally on my game this morning. Uh, uh, two slides I thought were there were missing, and then I mislabeled this one. So, number five. See my hand? Five fingers. Number five. Fifth step in the process. Number five. Choose hope. Choose hope. What does it mean to choose hope? It means to choose to be confidently assured there are better days ahead. Choosing hope says, I believe that there are better days ahead. Verse 20, now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Now all glory to my God for eternity. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We choose hope. The fifth step in this process is we say, I choose to place my faith in my God who's going to carry me through on to better days. There are better days ahead. I'm choosing to hope. Thank you, Michelle. She said, it, counting is hard. Yes, thank you, Stephen. Uh, I appreciate you guys. <laughs> this is fun, looking at the comments and you guys interacting. I'm enjoying that part of it. So yes, counting is hard, and uh, thank you. I appreciate that you didn't hold it against me, Michelle. Choosing hope is saying, I believe there are better days ahead. What I'm facing right now is going to end. See, here's the thing. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. It's a good plan. 
We know from Jeremiah 29 11 that his plan is for us to prosper and not be harmed. He has a hope and a future for every single one of us who are his followers. Every single one of us who are his kids, who are children of God because we've placed our faith in Jesus, not in our works, not in our abilities, but in Jesus. God says that there is a plan for us. It's a plan of prosperity. It's a plan of hope. There's a future for every single one of us. So the fifth step in in this process of opening joy is to choose to hope. So how do I open joy in joyless times? We follow the process. I take my problems to God. I give them to God, and I leave them at his feet. And I don't take them back from him. I give them to him. Then I fix my thoughts on the right things, the good things, the things that God has done in the past, the things that he's going to do in the future, the blessings that I have around me that I so often overlook. I give my problems to God. I fix my thoughts on the good things. I choose to be content with what I currently have. And I choose faith that God will carry me through. And lastly, I choose hope because there are better days ahead. Now, I'm telling you, if you walk through this process internally and externally, you will open joy in your life. Now, I know this from vast personal experience. This process is personal, like I mentioned earlier. It's what I do just about every single morning. Now, sometimes it's a 15 or 20 minute process. You know, times whenever I've been uh, discouraged, frustrated, when I've been uh, sad, you know, that I, it's a 15 or 20 minute process that I give my problems over to God, that I fix my thoughts on the things that he's done. I choose to be content. I choose faith and I choose hope. Sometimes it's a two-minute process, and at the end of my journal time, I just write down, today I choose joy. Today I choose faith. Today I choose hope. Today I, sometimes it's 20 minutes, sometimes it's two, but I, I, I just, I'm telling you, if you will walk through this process, it opens joy in joyless times. There's been deep pain, deep discouragement, deep betrayal in my life, and in those times I struggled to find true joy. But when I begin to walk through this process, taken directly from Philippians chapter 4, God shows up and I'm able to have joy in the midst of joyless times. The last thing I'll leave you with is this. I'm not going to go into it all, the science of it, but there, there is a wonderful gift from God. And science has proven it. Google it if you want. I encourage, if, you, if you're skeptical, Google it. But there are physiological and psychological benefits to smiling. It's crazy. There are physiological and psychological benefits to smiling. There are some days when I walk through this process, I then force myself to smile because it's impossible. It's impossible to be sad or angry and truly smile. It sounds dumb. It sounds maybe trivial, but it's true. How do we open joy in joyless times? First, we give God our problems. We fix our thoughts on the good things. We choose to be content. We choose faith. We choose hope. We choose joy. We smile and say, you know what? I'm not denying that the circumstances I'm in are are difficult. I'm not being fake or phony. Let me be clear. As we talk about joy, I'm not talking about being fake. I'm not talking about being phony. If if you're going through a difficult time, you need to be honest and open with those around you, the people in your church family, the people in your immediate family, the people that God has placed in your life to hold your arms up in difficult times. 
See, we need to be open and honest, but we can still have an underlying joy. Not necessarily happiness, because happiness is a feeling, but joy is, a, is much more than a feeling. It's this underlying principle that I have placed my faith, my hope, my, my, my joy. It all comes from Jesus, and I'm drawing my strength from him. So we're not, talking, we're not being fake. We're not being phony. But there are physiological and psychological effects to smiling and saying, you know what? I'm going through something difficult, and it's hard. And I'm not going to deny that I'm going through something difficult. I'm not going to act like everything's fine, but I'm choosing to be joyful in the midst of the difficulty because I can, because my faith and my trust, my security, my contentment is not in what I see. It's in Jesus and in my hope for eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and we say thank you your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that is in us, that is with us. God, we say thank you for the church family that you've placed each and every one of us in. God, we thank you for technology that in the midst of this pandemic, God, we can still be together virtually. God, we thank you for your word and the truth in your word. Thank you that your word is alive, it is powerful. God, that your word can reveal to us the, the things we've been struggling with. God, and your word can show us the pathway ahead. We thank you that even when times are joyless, we can have a joy because we are your kids. You care for us and you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I appreciate all of you that have commented on the Facebook uh, post, but also I want to encourage you, especially since I can't see you and we can't talk to one another uh, in person right now, fill out those connection cards online at vinetrustful.com, right? When you go there, it says my next right step. This week, I will. Every week, we apply to our lives what we talked about in the message. What was God saying to you? Maybe it's you've been telling God all about your problems, but then you've been taking them with you instead of leaving them at his feet. Maybe you've been fixing your thoughts on the things that are unproductive, and this week you need to fix your thoughts on the right things. Maybe, you've, maybe you have a lack of contentment, and this week you're going to say, this week I'm going to choose to be content with what I have because God has provided what I need. You know, in that same uh, book, Taking Step Towards God, Dr. Clancy Hayes he interestingly talks about how credit, he says credit cards have taken the place of the family of God in a Christian's life. In the past, when a Christian was in need, they'd go to their church family and they would pray together and then God would supernaturally provide, but now we just use credit cards to provide for us instead. And I don't know about all the theological nature of that, but I thought it was an interesting comparison. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I don't have all that I need, but I'm going to start praying and asking God. I'm going to choose to be content. I'm going to choose to believe that he is going to provide what I need. Or maybe you, you're going to choose contentment because God has provided. Maybe this week you say, I'm going to choose faith. I'm going to choose to believe that my God is trustworthy, that I'm going to put my trust in him that he is going to carry me through. This week I will choose hope. I will choose to believe. One day this pandemic is going to be over. It's going to be over. It's going to be done. And we can all meet together every single week and it's going to be done. One day. I'm going to choose to hope for the future. What is it this week? And then uh, 
Right there under that, it says prayer request. If you have any prayer requests, I want to pray for you. And since we couldn't be there together, please go fill, or today, please go fill these out so that I can be praying for you and know what's going on in your life. Uh, I love you so much. And hey, if you are feeling under the weather, and if you are also sick, please let us know. We want to be praying for you as well. Once again, thank you so much for all the prayers and and reaching out. Uh, We love you guys so much. Can't wait to see you again in person. Maybe next week. But if not, then for sure on the 20th, uh, we'll be back here doing that uh, in person for our candlelight service. Well, I mean, I guess there could be a possibility we're not for some crazy reason, but uh, I I don't see that taking place. Uh, So I love you all so much. And signing off until next time. See you soon. Uh, Let's make a difference this week for the kingdom of God.